0: Let's dig in.
1: Focus on your son. Oh my goodness. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I love Elizabeth. <laughs> she keeps me grounded. Yes. All right, live love, part two. Believing God is love changes you. Um, last night I was struggling with putting the pieces together that I had. I had all these puzzle pieces, and it, every Saturday night, it's like putting a puzzle together. I've got all pieces, but how are they going to fit, in which order, and it's, sometimes, I, I feel like I got gum stuck in my brain gears, and it's like, ugh, it's not easy. Um, it may look easy coming off on a Sunday morning, oh, you do that all the time, it's easy. No, this is hard work. Why do you think I stay up so late all the time? But it's, I love how it comes out sometimes, um, and The pause and ponder, it's all over the place, just like this morning, all over the place. Um, But there's some pretty heavy-duty ones in this, and they authentically made me pause and ponder this week. So let's get into that first, and then the Henry Nowen devotional, again, all tied in to the love of God, living loved. This one's a biggie. Don't force your children into your ways, for they were created for a time different from your own. Plato. doh I'm thinking, did he ever have kids? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that kind of struck a chord. You know, it, that's it. I'll leave it at that. This one really hit me. I've been saving this for a couple weeks. And I thought, okay, now it, now it clicks. Um, this blew my mind. This is not a Christian church, so. This is a, a people, a group of people, wanting to pray. And if it's to Allah, guess what? Allah, God, same God as a Jewish God. It really is. So, them praying, and no excuses, Their dedication blows my mind that even while their village is flooded, they still came to the place to pray. Now, I don't want to make a, it's not a sermon. This is just a, this really caught my attention to think, man, how quickly do we complain when the internet's off? (laughs) Or the computer's not working right. How frustrated we can get when the milk's sour, or last Sunday the cream curdled. I know, like, oh, nobody complained, by the way. That was just obvious. This just hit me, so I, don't, I hope that hits your heart too in a unique way, and these are people that are humans like you and I. Here's another one. This is your gentle reminder that the one time in the Bible, Elijah was like, God, I'm so mad, I wanna die. So God said, here's some food, why don't you have a nap? So Elijah slept, ate, and decided things weren't so bad. <laughs> Never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. <laughs> this has rabbit trails. <laughs> but it's true. I'll leave that alone, because oh my goodness, I'm, gonna, I'm getting in trouble. Henry Nouwen. Nobody escapes being wounded. Pause there. Think about that sentence for just a moment. Nobody escapes being wounded. All of us. And yet we try to avoid being wounded or even pretend we're not wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not... How can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed? But how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. This is worth pondering when you're licking your wounds from something or afraid to share it with somebody. You're not alone. Maybe have a snack and a nap. <laughs> Somebody else posted this. I think it was Rod. Did you share it to her? I think you shared this, right? I think that was yours. Yeah, I have to read the whole thing to confirm, but I'm no, just kidding. Yep, so when a flashlight grows dim or quits working, you don't throw it away. You change the batteries, although I go and buy new ones all the time. I have this weird thing for flashlights, ask Lori. When a person messes up and finds himself in a dark place, do you cast them aside? Of course not. You help them change their batteries. Some need AA, attention and affection. Some need AAA, attention, affection, and acceptance. Some need C, compassion. Some need D, direction. And if they still don't seem to shine, simply sit with them quietly and share your light good reminder. I love this by Robert Capon. If you've not read any of this stuff, it's controversial and really good. What really made a, What's really made a mess of the world? Grace, forgiveness, turning of the cheek, or is it guilt, punishment, vengeance, and retribution? If we take a look at our world, and people say, what's this world come to? A phrase we often hear. Well, you're implying a certain expectation when you say that phrase. What's this world come to? Well, what world were you at that you thought was okay and normal? Or you were obviously blind to a whole bunch of other parts of the world. But it's those guilt, punishment, vengeance, and retribution, these are the contaminants of our world. These contaminate all relationships. These cause wars, divisions, during an era when religious institutions used theology and scripture to malign and reject others, Jesus accepted and included gentiles, the poor, the sick, women, Samaritans, Romans, children, and many others who were outcast, outcasts and oppressed. Being inclusive and affirming is the way of love, the way of Jesus. The early church, I love this, the early church didn't say, look what the world's coming to. They said, look what has come into the world. This is a perspective change we need. Lately, I've been seeing a lot of comments and I've heard some folks chat. In fact, I had somebody stop at the chapel, in the long-term care home, and talk about you know, what's this world coming to? Oh, finally, the end times are here. Finally, finally. And they, oh my goodness. I, do you know how you really try to smile and not look like you disagree? Because you try to be loving and not correct somebody. You know, I didn't do any correction. But man, I'm thinking, hmm, interesting. Wow, yeah, that's a perspective. That's for sure. <laughs> I was going nuts trying to be quiet. But this is what the difference is. Look at what this world's coming to. If you're looking for an escape clause, an escape route, I saw another meme that said, anybody who believes in the rapture, make sure they're not in charge of any city planning. (laughs) Or any planning of any kind. (laughs) Right? Uh, Here's an example, just for fun. This is a rabbit trail, sorry, it's my morning. Um, I saw a business offering pet care after the rapture. You can register in advance. (laughs) You can pay in advance. (laughs) That's the only way. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) It's a real thing. It really is. So, what you focus on is going to be where your attention is. If you're focusing on what this world's coming to and seeing all the bad, that's what you're seeing. That's what you choose to focus on. But if you see what has come into the world, and if you see light in each one of you, there is the light of Christ in each one of you, what are you not looking at when you do that? The circumstances. Circumstances will always throw you off or encourage you. But the constant is the love of Christ in all things, the light of Christ in all things. Because it's exhausting if you worry about the worries. I just thought that was a great lens. Look what's come into the world. It's a complete flip of what we've been kind of taught how to think and the lens that we're told to think through. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will spill, and the wineskins will be ruined. Instead, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. How many have heard this before? Yeah, almost all of us. Well, I had a new thought this week that kind of threw me off. Went, oh man, I'm bumping into people all the time. Either they have no faith and are slightly interested in, what, okay, what is this Jesus stuff? But I don't like, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't like his followers. They're all weird. It, that, that's real, people think that. They, they see Christians, church people, as very vengeful, hateful, judgmental. Many people see it that way. And there's a reason why, because many are. They think they're being loving in their bubble, but you pop that bubble, and suddenly they're gonna be, they're alone. And so this hit me. As I'm, and you and I are growing in this journey of finding a bigger and better God, I realized I was trying to take old wineskins and shove in the new stuff I was learning. It never worked. But that was my struggle. I realized my tension on this journey of unlearning and rediscovery. I needed a new wineskin, a new foundation from which to build. And to me, it's Jesus. Not the system I've grew up with, not all my systematic theology books that I. I had to study and learn and go to for all the answers because they had it all figured out for me. I didn't have to think because there's, look, look, here's your question, here's your answer. Look at these pages and these references. It's really crazy. There's no mystery at all. But this kind of, for the first time, I saw a new lens of, instead of trying to show even a religious person the grace of God, instead of comparing the doctrines which are, different wineskin arguments, really. What about just find a way to talk about Jesus and quit arguing? Find those things that are common, those things that are in agreement. Your disagreement is not gonna matter in 10 years. Because you've changed in the last 10 years. I've changed in the last 10 years. They're going to change in the last 10 years if they haven't This next one, I think is the last one, and it's a heavy one. Yeah, you won't be able to read all this. It's too small, but I will post it later. Praying for your enemies. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Bill Thrasher posted this, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is deep. This is about praying for enemies, and I'm talking about love. Oh wait, how are they connected? Well, when you know you are loved, when you know God is love, And when you are beloved and you are loving, this will come more natural. Praying for your enemies. Let's see if you can see this a little bit differently than you thought about enemies. Remember we talked about enemies. Enemies is usually one-sided. It can be two-sided, but it's a one-sided perspective initially. It doesn't mean you pray that God will make them ultimately come into agreement with your specific way of thinking sometime ahead. That's a great way to pray for enemies. I do that all the time. Dear Lord, let them see the light. Dear God, show them I'm right and they're wrong. You don't say it in those words, but that's what you mean. I know that. (laughs) It's actually for the exact opposite. Here we go. Brace yourself. We pray for our enemies to be blessed without any threat of condemnation or cohesion Attached, okay, cohesion attached. We pray for God's grace to help us better see from their seemingly broken perspectives, no matter how opposing it is from yours. We pray for this in the here and now, not future, now. We do this so we might speak of them and to them with overflowing compassion and total forgiveness, desiring to know why they are the way they are, loving them with zero expectation of changing to meet us first. We pray for our enemies with a deep authenticity and a relentless hope for unity and joy to be known and experienced by all in the fullness of time. I will confess right away, I haven't got that one figured out. There are moments, and for certain people I do. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> I'm just being honest. This is not easy. This is messing with my mind. In fact, th- this love series is already really messing with my emotions because I do not practice everything I preach. Did you know that? Don't ask my wife, okay? Yeah, yeah. See, she's just put, I see that hand. Oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, but this is real. If you're faking it, that's when you become a false message. But still, this, this one, I have much pondering to do. I'll post this on my Facebook page later, and you guys can grab that photo and reshare it any way you want. But that was really good. And he's so deep in every one of his posts. I love the guy. He's part of my Still Growing Grace Wednesday morning program. That was the last one of pondering and pausing this past week. That was a lot. And it was good, and I have much to ponder. So live loved. What does Henry Nowen have to say about this? God's acceptance of us is unlimited. Our true challenge is to return to the center, to the heart, and to find there the gentle voice that speaks to us and affirms us in a way no human voice ever could. The basis of all ministry is the experience of God's unlimited and unlimiting acceptance of us as beloved children. Pause there. That's hard to do. An acceptance so full, so total and all-embracing that it sets us free from our compulsion to be seen, praised, and admired and frees us for Christ, who leads us on the road of service. This experience of God's acceptance frees us from our needy self and thus creates new space where we can pay selfless attention to others. This new freedom in Christ allows us to move in the world uninhibited uninhibited by our compulsions, and to act creatively, even when we are laughed at and rejected, even when our words and actions lead us to death. Are you starting to see the limitless, unbelievable love of God towards you and I? If you're not sure, you need to keep hearing it. Increase the dose. Relisten, renew your mind. So, some simple reminders. This is not new for Hope Fellowship, but it is new for a lot of our new online guests that don't comment but watch. Some of them have contacted me and said that. God is love. This is the foundation on which we're building this journey of living loved. For love comes from God and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Can I point out something it does not say? This might surprise some of you or make you go, watch this. (laughs) For love comes from God. Anyone who loves God is a child of God. Stop. If you take that line, you could port that into the second half of the sentence and imply that anyone who loves is a child of God. Therefore, if someone does not love, they're not a child of God. It's not saying that at all. That's you and I imposing a view on this based on our theological Western lens. We are all children of God. Paul made this really clear on Mars Hill. So don't take that and think it means then you're not a child of God. It just means you don't know the love of God yet. Remember Jesus said, I have sheep you know nothing of? Or uh, Groups that, you, you know anything about the other ones? Yeah, he's got sheep around the world. 1 John 4, 16, we know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Here's the God loves us part. <clears throat> he loves us regardless of our patterns and behaviors. That's not the freedom to go continue negative behaviors. It's The truth is there to so move your heart and mind to regain to reframe, rewire your mind so that your actions and behaviors will reflect this truth. That's the point of all this. You're not getting a to-do list from me. I know I used to be in a couple churches where we gave to-do lists. We told members, you have to act in this way, you you can't do that, you can't do this. We weren't that strict, but boy, there are some that are really strict. I've seen seen some pretty good lists over the years. (laughs) They're hilarious. You guys would just be appalled if you saw some of that stuff, and some of them are still going on today. First John four nine to ten. God showed how much He loved us. God loves you. Again, for however many times on touched by an angel, they you know the person said God loves you. They're they're saying God loves you on public television better than a church service online. Pretty powerful. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. So instead of telling people you must love God, as in a rule, you keep telling them God loves them, God loves them, God loves them. And guess what's going to happen? The truth's going to push out all the, the bad stuff in a faulty thinking. It's gonna, the love of God's going to fill and push it all out and be refreshed, and you're going to actually begin to believe you're loved and live this loved life. Perfect example is in John 21, after breakfast. So this is, you know, Jesus restores Peter. In fact, he searches him out after his resurrection. Because, you know, Peter felt pretty bad about himself. He was very vocal. His personality was a gangbuster zealot who you know, took off the ear of somebody in that garden, probably aiming for the head. He took off an ear, Jesus healed that, and said, this is not the way, this is the way, and he healed a lesson for all of us. And he knew that with somebody that has that much passion, Jesus knew, he probably was really wrestling internally, feeling so bad for rejecting Jesus, just as he promised what Jesus said he would do. And he was really upset with that. And Jesus, he went after Thomas, and he went after Jesus, oh, sorry, Peter. And here's what he said. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these or love me? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. I know, you know I love you, phileo. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me, agape? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you, phileo. Then take care of my sheep. Lastly, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love phileo me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love phileo you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. For each rejection, Jesus restored, restored, restored. How many people were healed on the time that Jesus was in ministry? The gates he went to, the Pool of Bethsaida, the people walking in crowds. How many people that cried out to him, did he heal? They've been dealing with shame and rejection, especially lepers who were considered the sickest of sickest. You don't go near them. In fact, it was against the law to be anywhere near them. It was against the law for them to be near anybody else. And Jesus loved them and went to them, broke the law, man-made, and touched them and healed them. That's what love does. Love does break rules. John 21, Peter turned around and saw... I love this next part. This is is a wake-up call for all of us. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him? Do you guys ever do that? What about that person? Or what about their situation? How come they're always getting favors? How come they're blessed? How come they get to do that? I want their spiritual gift. How come, and the list goes on and on and on. Same question from all of us. And Jesus said, if you want him to remain alive, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? As for you, follow me. This is what love does. Love gets your eyes off of everyone else and stops comparing. You're not gonna jockey for position. It's not a competition. That's really hard in this Christianized world in the West. Because we rank people in their positions and roles and honor and respect these titles. Titles are nice, they have a little bit of room maybe. But they distract because now you look at a title instead of Jesus. Stop asking about everyone else. Stop comparing. And Jesus says, What's that to you? (laughs) I love that. I love that. I wonder if there's a really neat, refreshed translation of that. (laughs) None of your business. (laughs) I don't know. Like, what's it to you? Follow me. Maybe that's a lesson for whole Fellowship. To follow Jesus. That means we need to know who he is. Maybe pause some of our traditional understandings of what the church is to do. I've been talking for a long time about deprogramming, less programs. Mind you, we have less people, so <laughs> we have to have less programs. That's how it works. But I got to thinking, maybe we just follow Jesus and see where he leads us into our communities. Volunteer someplace and be the love of Christ somewhere instead of attaching it to a title of, oh, we're part of Hope Fellowship. See how wonderful we are. See how good things we're doing in the community. That was a thought in my head for a long time. It still sneaks in but maybe it has nothing to do with who we are because I think the early church was known for their love, how they treated others, and cared for their community. Maybe that's what we are, individual caregivers, giving care to whomever God puts in front of us, to whomever God inspires us to reach out to, to whomever and whichever organization or community group we should connect to to be part of our community and Christianizing it. And follow Jesus. Jesus spent time with his Heavenly Father, with his disciples, and with people. And as we saw in the joke at the very beginning, he went off a lot to pray alone. (laughs) Because it was exhausting, I think it's the real reason. He put his whole heart and all of his energy into loving others. Hmm. This is so different. Acts ten twenty-eight. Well, we started twenty minutes late, so I get another twenty. No, I'm kidding. Just a couple more. <laughs> That's a joke. I saw some faces go. <gasps> <and> so. <laughs> Acts 10, 28, you all, you, you all know that it is against the Jewish laws for me to associate with even, with or even visit the home of one who is not a Jew. Yet, God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or forbidden or ritually unclean. We talked about this story before. I'm not going to get into it. But he was a rule keeper, Peter. He, he struggled with it his whole life, throughout the whole stories. of, He just got sucked into following the, the old rule. He had an old wineskin. It was really hard to get that new message in. Paul had some of that too. We do as well. But because he was so good at judging and following rules, God was showing him In a gentle way, how to break yet another one. See, he thought he was really cool because he stayed at a tanner's house, a place where they kill animals and skin them and all that, which is awful for a Jew. A Jew can't be there. It was on that, in that house, that God showed him this message: not to view anyone. How often do we do that? How often do we judge? They're in, we're not, ooh, I see the way they're dressed, they're out. Or the way they walk, or the way they talk, or uh, whatever. And we think in and out, always. That's what we've been trained in churchianity. We're not part of churchianity. We may be relatives, or that may be part of our history and part of our, our resume, but it is not who we are. It was an illusion. We're now coming into Following Christ, being loving people. Acts 10, 28 in Young's Living Translation says, but to me God did show to call no man common or unclean. Both words were important. Both words were separate things. He was, he was fixing the loophole, so to speak. And New Living train, Translate, or oh sorry, NESB says, God has shown me that I should call not call any man unholy or unclean, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Do you do that with others? Probably. I know I do. Not so much in this context. I I have more polished, cleaned up ways of doing that, so it doesn't feel so bad. <laughs> But to see the light of Christ in all, it changes your lens. Otherwise, you get sucked into this evangelism mindset that you're on a mission, your job is to evangelize, therefore everybody is a mission field. In fact, we've seen signs that say that you are now entering the mission field as you leave the church. It was a nice statement and I understood fully what that meant and I thought, that's great. It's wrong. mission field is not out there because suddenly if you're in here, woo, we don't need any missioning. We, we've arrived. We're in. Now let's go make people like us. Oh, not Jesus. This is frustrating for me. And it's okay. And I want to keep talking about it. It doesn't mean I'm angry at my past. I'm actually thankful now. And I can talk about it more and more, and we need to be comfortable with that to be able to call out and see the differences of our journey of growing. It doesn't mean we're mad and putting them all down. It means we're recognizing we have grown, and I'm not going backwards. Next time, we'll get into God loves your reminders and wrap up. Because I have something else I want to share in August. But this is good news. God loves you. Let's see, don't look. See? We're gonna play a song right now called Inexhaustible Love by Joe Olivia. I heard this two weeks ago. Sent your message, asked permission to share it here because it's on YouTube. And uh, the words are really, really good. Let's listen to this and then we'll have a closing slide before we pray.
0: When I pierce his side and leave him to die His mercy and his wander his wealth and go my own way his mercy endures forever oh his love inexhaustible
1: What do you think? It's different. Which means his love will never leave you or forsake you. And may that be reflected in your behavior at home, to your loved ones, to your partners, to your kids, co-workers, unless you're retired. <laughs> Rod, sorry. <laughs> Maybe we can believe this love so much that transforms us. You see, the one way or another, love gets to have the last word. One way or another, love never fails. And that's good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your love permeate the hearts of each person that really needs to be reminded today that they're loved. Amen.